You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Reality is, is that hard times always surround good ministry. This is true of, uh, of, the, of the church all the way around. First of all, if you look back at, at World War II time frame in Corey Temple, if you've ever heard of her, if you haven't, you need to read some of her books. But she and her family lived in the Netherlands, and as the, the Nazis moved into the Netherlands, uh, the Jews were, their lives were on the line, and so they hid them within their home. It was a small home. It wasn't like a grand palace. It was a small home. And they needed to have a place to, to hide the Jewish people should the Nazis come into the house and bang on the door. And so they had a very tiny little room built or added into a closet, basically, where people could run and hide. And so her most famous book was called The Hiding Place. And uh, she and her family lost their lives because of the ministry that they had. As you also look at uh, ministries like uh, the Free Burma Rangers, uh, the country of Burma, near Barnau, the the government became and is so overpowering that it kept on trying to attack its own people. And so the people left, and they hid in the jungles. There was one man who was a former uh, army ranger who uh, decided to do something. And uh, his parent, he had grown up on a mission field. He decided to do something about it. So he had a back, literally a backpack full of medication and went into the jungle and started finding these people who were hiding from uh, the government, and the government would be flying planes over and bombing them, and it was a terrible destruction. But he would find these people, and he would begin to minister to them. He would share his medication with them. He would share his knowledge of how to live in the jungle and how to survive in such horrible situations. And then that would give him an opportunity to, to share the gospel. His wife and kids joined him in this process, and they, she uh, teaches like vacation Bible school to these refugee children who were hiding underneath the canopy of the jungle. And uh, her kids are being raised in this environment. It is certainly not a safe environment. But they're having tremendous ministry, and this ministry has expanded not only throughout the jungles of Burma, but all the way into... Iran, and I mean, into Iraq. And uh, you can look them up, you can find them on the internet, freeburmarangers.org.com. I don't know what it is. But there never has been a good time to do God's will. You know that, right? Perfect time? And there's many reasons for that, but I think we've seen that through our history. Back in the days when the church first got started in the uh, uh, early part of the first century, the church was under a great deal of persecution, but it grew and it multiplied, so much so that by 300 AD, the thought was that it was growing so much and so fast that they probably would have the whole world evangelized by 500 AD. 
But then Constantine, the emperor, came in and he Christianized the then known world. And he just made everybody a Christian. And so the persecution stopped, but so did the growth in the church. Because everybody, after all, was now a Christian. And uh, the church stagnated and began to fall away. And so you begin to ask yourself the question, was that a good time to do ministry? Or was it a bad time to do ministry? Because the church had stopped its growth. During the uh, time period of uh, World War II, there was a lot of death and destruction. It was a horrible time. It was a hard time to do ministry. Um, and certainly because of the, the death, the carnage, nobody would want to repeat World War II. But at the same time, many ministries around the world got started because of World War II. Because Christian men and women were picked up from rural America and thrown around the world, and they began to see the need around the world. And so many of the missions that you know today got started because of World War II. Was it a good time to do ministry or bad? I think this is really where Haggai is taking us as we look at some of these uh, truths and see what's going on in uh, the book of Haggai and what was happening at that time. So if you would look up uh, the book of Haggai, and we're going to be just looking at chapter 1 today. But I want to start out by asking, what time is it? What time is it? What was it like uh, during these days? Well, you already saw the outline and the overview of Haggai, so I won't go through a lot of this. But I think it's important to realize that in Jerusalem, Jerusalem itself had been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And there were actually three deportations of Israel at different times in Jerusalem, twice particularly. And where Nebuchadnezzar came, besieged the city, and took it captive. And they took not only the uh, people of Israel, but they took the gold off the walls of the temple. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the walls of Jerusalem. They utterly destroyed Jerusalem and moved them to Babylon. Then, uh, when Babylon ultimately fell, uh, it fell to the Persians. And there was another king, king of the Persians, who came in, King Cyrus is his name, and uh, he declared that all the people, and the scripture talks about the heart of, the heart of Cyrus was, was encouraged by God to send his people back to Jerusalem. And uh, and so Cyrus did that. He said, anybody who wants to go, I will provide the lumber, I'll provide the money, I'll provide the paperwork, it'll be safe to go, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple of your God. Then after about 16 years, after they got back into Jerusalem, uh, the temple still wasn't built. There wasn't the, the purpose for them going wasn't there. They were not having persecution. They weren't, have, they weren't slave labor anymore. They were able to go back. They had the money. They had the ability to, to rebuild the temple. But after 16 years, 
it still laid in ruins. And so God speaks, and he speaks through Haggai, and basically he says, okay, let's get going. Let's get moving. It's time to do his will. It was the governor, uh, the governor's Rubblebelt. Uh, he is actually of the line of David, and so he was rightfully there. And then there was Joshua, uh, and he was the high priest. And so you had the governmental head, and you had the priestly head, the religious head, and they both had lost their way, as well as the people themselves. And so, really, what has happened is that we've come to the point of, okay, well, why wasn't the temple rebuilt? And that's what we're going to pick up in chapter 1, and we'll be looking, first of all, at, um, well, really, the people that say, you know, this is a the right time. In the second year of Darius, Darius was the, the king after Cyrus, and the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of uh, Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. The Lord of Armies says this, these people say the time has not yet come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Why? Why was it not the time? And uh, why had they become so apathetic? Well, just kind of thinking through what they might have said, one of the things that they might have said was that, well, you know, it hasn't been 70 years. You know, Joshua talked, or uh, uh, Jeremiah talked about the fact that there would be 70 years of exile. And so the, the temple hasn't been destroyed for quite 70 years, so it's not the time. So we can blame it on God because it hasn't been the right time. And all of that has to do with the fact that, uh, that there were three different exiles, and depending on which exile you took, you could say there isn't enough time, 70 years, or there's too much time, it's been longer than 70 years. Another thing they might have said was, well, you know, the numbers aren't there. If we take a census, first of all, there just isn't enough people to, to fill the temple and to run the temple and to do all the things that need to be done. So it just isn't the right time. The economy, the numbers aren't there. You could ha have been talking about the fact that, hey, you know, we just don't have the money. We're, you know, we keep on tilling the ground and we're working the ground and it doesn't produce. I work all day and somehow the money is just gone by the time I get home. It's just, uh, it just isn't the right time. We don't have the money, we don't have the manpower to do this. Then there could be, well, our family. Our family comes first. After all, doesn't charity begin at home? We want to protect our families and so we want to build our houses. And after all, God has told us to be good parents and protect our children, and so therefore we want to be people who will uh, will do what he wants us to do, and we want to raise our families, and somehow the good intentions just begin to get lost. And for 16 years, they built their homes. A new generation has now sprung up, and they find that the temple is in ruins. One of the things that I think also happens is that, he, that uh, they began to think, you know, wait a minute, this isn't God's time, this is 
my time. We have, after all, for the last 70 years had nothing, and now we've come back to nothing, and we're trying to rework everything here, and so this is our time to get things accomplished. Verse 3 and following says this, the Lord, uh, the, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to build your your paneled houses while the house, my house, lies in ruins? Now the Lord of the army says this, think carefully about your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat and never have enough to be satisfied. You drink and you never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes and never have enough to be, to be warm. The wage earner puts his wages in a bag with a hole in it. What's happening? God's trying to call their attention to the fact that no matter how hard they're working, it just isn't working. And things are not being blessed. The work of the hands are not being uh, blessed by God. And uh, he, he's saying that you have this idea that this is your time, and no matter how hard you work, nothing is happening. And that can happen. We can get to the point where we just decide that, hey, I'm, you know, this is what I need to do. I need to get my life together. I need to get out of debt. I need to whatever. And God's will gets set aside. Then uh, we find that he really moves more to the uh, point with uh, the fact that the people will begin to say, well, there just isn't enough time to get it done. Verse uh, 7 through 11, the Lord of armies says this, Think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber and build houses, and I will be pleased with your and glorified, says the Lord. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. Because my house still lies in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own house. One of the things that you begin to realize is that we can get really busy doing good things, but not the right things. Have you ever found that in your own life? You get really busy studying or you get really busy doing whatever and the ministry of the Lord gets set, gets set aside. One of the things that happened with Carol and I that because of so much of our ministry throughout the years has been in our homes, there was always this balancing act. Uh, how, do you, how do you minister to your family, provide the love and the uh, direction, the guidance that they need and yet also spend time with the military personnel who are staying with us and having dinner with us and doing Bible studies. How do you, if you are studying, if you're talking to someone, you have the, the Word of God open and you're, you're counseling them and all of a sudden your child comes running in and wants to show you something, do you stop, pay attention to your child, or do you say, hey, you need to leave here and uh, I will get back to you later? How do you balance it? You know, it just is never the perfect scenario of time to be involved in God's ministry. 
One of the things that we see is that there just isn't enough time either. Because no matter how hard they worked, there wasn't the production that they needed. And so therefore, God's will, God's purposes were set aside. Then the fact that, well, maybe this is God's time begins to be pointed out by, uh, by Haggai. In verses uh, 12 through 15, it says this, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest, Joshua, and son of Jehoazak, and the entire remnant of the people, obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai because of the Lord their God had sent them. So people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. The Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and began to work on the house of the Lord of armies. Their God, on the tw- 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of the king of Darius. One of the things that you begin to see is that, you no, know, this is the time. God has determined that this is when it shall be done. And he begins to move in his people. What I'd like to do now is just look back at these verses and look at some observations. And with these observations, we'll close. But in these observations, it just helps us understand, okay, well, what do we see here? What's going on? What do we learn from these things that are shared? One of the things that I saw was that, you know, it's never the right time. There will always be a reason why not to obey God. Very for When you think about it, uh, one of the things that happens quite often is that we tend to look for that right time, but it's never going to be there. It's never going to be the right time, the right reason to obey God. One of the reasons... One of the things that happens is that that the reasons that are given always make sense. The reasons that are given are always making sense. You know, when we decide to start raising support and people say, well, you know, this isn't really a good time. People are are having a hard time financially and so they're not going to be able to to give to your ministry. And, uh, you know, it made sense. But was it God's will or not? One of the things that happens is that we often say, well, the government is, it, it will not allow us to share uh, now. This particularly happens when you're on the military base because we can, uh, they can, they can put so much pressure on you not to share the gospel because you don't want to offend anybody. And the people who are above us, the people who are responsible for us, they have, you know, they're, they're concerned. They don't want us to be messing things up for them, that kind of thing. And so, well, one of the guys, one of the chaplains told me the one time, look, you can, you cannot proselytize. You can't force somebody to become a Christian. But you have complete freedom to evangelize. 
and share the truth of the gospel. Right? Well, I, that's what I want to do. But until he said that, I was always under this, oh, what do I do? How much do I, how much do I say? How much do I not say? The government is requiring us not to say anything. Is what happens so often. And that was true of many of the governments around the world. So often they, they instruct you that you cannot share the gospel with people. People around me don't want to hear it. Uh, how many of you, when you share, when you go to share the gospel with someone, the automatic assumption in you is that they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and how he loved them and died for them. They don't want to hear the fact that they have uh, freedom from their sins. And yet, quite often, when you actually share the gospel, that's exactly what they wanted to hear. That's what they needed to hear. That's what they had to hear. Sometimes we tell ourselves, oh, the need is too great. There's too many people out there who need to know Christ. And I can't do it all. Well, that's true. But that's why we have the body of Christ. Because together we can make an impact. One of the other things that I observed is that good intentions are never good enough. You know, if you, you always have this, you know, I, I always was going to go and visit people in the uh, hospital. Or I was always going to go and do whatever. I was always going to share the gospel with my neighbors. And we became good friends, but somehow it never happened. And I always intended to do it, but it never happened. Good intentions are never good enough because if they should die, they're going to die without Christ. So your good intentions are just never good enough. Another thing that you observe is that in verse 8 of Haggai 1, is he says that God says, look, go and build the temple, and I will be, I will be glorified in it. Now, he doesn't demand that they build something of huge grandeur. He doesn't demand that they build one equal to Solomon's temple or better than Solomon's temple. In fact, he doesn't say anything at all. They could have built, well, hopefully not a wood shack, but a small temple, and he would be pleased with it. Why? Because God is not all about how big his house is, but about our hearts. You see, if they went out and they built, they built whatever they possibly could build, which is what they did, he would be pleased with that. He would be glorified in that. And sometimes we think, well, if we can't do this tremendous ministry, well, then we shouldn't do anything at all. If we can't build this huge church, then we shouldn't start. God doesn't require a huge church. God doesn't require this massive ministry. He just requires our obedience. And he, really what he requires is a heart that is willing to obey. Because once that happens, and we see this at the end of this chapter, he fills you with his spirit, and he moves through you to accomplish his will. So one of the things that we see is that um, God is always glorified when you look at How big doesn't matter. How small doesn't matter. 
it matters that we obey. Another observation is that Satan is always against whatever God is for. And so no wonder time is never the right time to do God's will. It is never going to be the perfect time to have a new ministry starting a minute. It's never going to be the perfect time for you to share Christ with your next door neighbor. It never will. You can establish friendships, you can establish relationships, but there comes a point where you need to share the gospel and it will never be the right time because Satan will make sure it's not the right time. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do God's will. It's always going to be that way. One of the things that I find interesting is that when it comes to children and raising children and seeing all that was going on, Miley Cyrus just recently did an article and she said that she would not have to bring children into this world because the earth is mad. And so for her, she will not, she will not have children. And I begin to wonder how many times Christians fall into the, the environment of our culture and we begin to listen to our culture more than we listen to God. And we begin to establish that which is good for us and uh, protection for us and comfort for us and we don't do God's will. I think one of the things that is that, that we need to see is the bigger picture. And the reality that eternity hangs in the balance. In the, this is what we'll close with, but remember in the video, the hope was to have a huge temple where the whole world would join Israel to worship God. For us, we want to recognize that there will be a day in which we will stand around the throne. And we don't want to stand there by ourselves. We want to be there with people that we have shared the gospel with. And so when you share the gospel, you're doing God's will. And he blesses the work of your hands. And he works through you. And he works in the heart of the person who's hearing the gospel so that they will come to know Christ and walk with him. And they, in turn, will multiply and they will share the gospel with others. And so that the day that we stand before Christ, around the throne, there will be not only the people of your family, but the people that you have shared, your neighbors, and their neighbors, and their neighbors. Eternity hangs in the balance. What if you didn't? What if you always had the right intention, but you never carried them out? They won't be there. Now God came out and does work through other people. He's not dependent upon us. But he wants to bless us. He wants to use us. He wants to make us into people who listen to him and do what he has called us to do. I want to call your attention to one book that, and with this I'll close. There's a little book that I read once a little while ago, and I don't always do this right. It's called The Ten Second Rule. Uh, Anybody hear me? The 10 second rule. The 10 second rule is basically this. When God tells you to do something, do it within 10 seconds and uh, see what he has in store for you. 
So you're walking down the street and you see somebody who is struggling to get their groceries into their cart and you walk up and you help them put them in because you feel God has told you to do that. Another time you're walking down the street and there's somebody there and they're looking for some cash and, you, and something inside you says, give him a dollar or $10, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you do it. And the guy gets mad at you because he doesn't need your money. And you think, well, gee, God tell me that enough. Well, he goes through and he talks about all of this. And he, says, he tells stories about how he listened to God did this, or he thought it was God, and sometimes it was just ended up being embarrassed. Sometimes he would share, and he would help somebody, and they, he would never be able to share the gospel with them. They would be off doing whatever they needed to do. He wouldn't be able to, and he began to wonder, well, is God really in this? But then he realized that, no, that person really has realized that there are people out there who are concerned, who will help, and that can carry on. I encourage you to read the book just because what it does is that it, it's biblically based, but it encourages you to be listening on a moment-by-moment basis for what God wants you to do. And it helps us break away from the good intentions into the active ministry of doing God's will. So I would encourage you to read the book of Haggai. See what God has for us in terms of long-term then pick up the book, the 10 second roll, and begin to do the ministry that God has called you to do within 10 seconds. Now, he won't, in that 10 second time frame, he won't tell you to start a whole brand new ministry. But he will have you recognize needs in people's lives. Some of you know that we had a one of our airmen committed suicide a couple weeks ago. And it was very, very difficult, very hard. And of course, everybody is left with that. Well, maybe I should have said, maybe I should have done, maybe I should have approached him or um, whatever. But I think that we need to realize that people are hurting more deeply than what we know. And all of us have issues and problems and concerns. And so if nothing else, as you meet with people today here, outside of here, your neighbors, always enter the conversation realizing that, hey, this person has got issues, problems, baggage, pain that he's carrying that I don't know anything about. And instead of just, hi, how are you, and walking away, walk up to them and start talking to them. Spend time with them. Let them know that you do care. And then when they ask, well, you know, why do you care so much? Because Christ cares for me. Christ loves you. He died for your sins. Share the gospel. God is not so concerned that you establish a brand new ministry, but he is concerned that you obey him. Because in that opening room, you will, your work will be blessed because this power of the Spirit will be working It's never going to be a good time. Never. So if you're waiting for that moment, perfect moment, you're going to wait until the end of your life and then it's going to be too late. Let's close in prayer.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reality of your word, where we are at. Uh, I'm amazed at how many things haven't changed at all since the day of the day. I, re- I recognize the need for our lives and our hearts to be changed. And so often we have good intentions, but it just never really happens. And so I pray that today that we would start listening for your word, start listening for your voice, and following this immediately. And just doing the things that we believe you're calling us to do. Father, I pray that we would walk more closely with you, that we would feel your presence more deeply. And we thank you for the love that you've given to us, that we might share that with others. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.